0: Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. All right, Battle Buddies, welcome back to another episode of the Battle Buddy Podcast. I am joined by Charles Reed today from Get Payroll, and he is a Marine Corps veteran, uh, served in the Vietnam uh, era, the Vietnam War, and uh, we're going to talk about something today that's um, for business people. It's an unfortunate reality: is you have to pay taxes. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know any other way to put it, right? It's not the most glamorous thing in the world, but when you run a business, you gotta pay the government, right? And they're gonna they're gonna make sure that they get what they're what their uh, what they think they're due. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of different things about it. I am by no means a tax expert at all. So this is I was really excited about this to learn a little bit more with some of these questions about taxes and different things you can do because. I think it's a whole different world out there. But without further ado, Charles, welcome to the podcast. Keith, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate appreciate you being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who was what was little Charles like and uh, how'd you end up in the Marine Corps and how'd you end up
1: doing what you're doing today? Well, I'm a Midwestern boy. I grew up in Davenport, Iowa. I graduated from high school there at 16. Worked for a while. Wasn't ready for college. Uh... My family has been citizen soldiers for over 200 years, going back to the Revolutionary War. So it uh, just was accepted that I would join the service at some point. I joined the Marine Corps instead of going to college. Out of my three sisters, two of them were in the service. The third one used to fly Mac flights in and out of Da Nang for uh, Pan American. So we all served, my dad was Navy, grandfather was Army, on and on and on. Well, you every Have you hit Coast Guard yet? Somewhere in the family? Uh,
0: not that I know of, but <laughs> who knows? <Maybe> future <laughs> family
1: members? Oh. Uh, Space Force in the future, maybe? Oh, I'm sure. I uh, have no yeah. doubt about that. Um, I spent four years. Uh, was did my basic at MCRD San Diego, uh, ITR at uh, Camp Pendleton, uh, for that which was my first duty station. Then I was to Okinawa for. 16 months. Then I got myself transferred down to Red Beach and just north of Da Nang for six months. Didn't want to be, I was a computer programmer systems engineer. I didn't want to do that in Vietnam. So I got myself transferred to the local infantry company that was doing interdiction work uh, around uh, Red Beach. So I spent six months in combat, limited, uh, got my combat action ribbon and so on. But uh, after that, I came back was stationed in Kansas City, met and married my wife while I was still in service. She had five kids when I married her. I claim insanity, but uh, we were married for forty-five years. It was a good marriage, not perfect. Anybody that tells you that a perfect marriage lies about other things. Yeah, we we t- <laughs> you told me that the other day that like, I was. I like, I couldn't agree more with that. And. Uh, after service, found that my military experience was not valued by the business community. Uh, it was it was terrible. I mean, I, the exact job I had just done in the Marine Corps, working on the Joint Unified Military PACE System, the employers of Texas didn't think was a was valid experience for their insurance company. It was just ridiculous. So I figured I'd have to get my credentials, went to college, found out I liked accounting, Got my bachelor's, my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam while I was still in graduate school. Went to work for Texas Instruments. Uh, Spent 15 years in the corporate world. Big corporations, little corporations, turnarounds. Is a bunch of great experience. Realized in my early 40s I was never going to run a major corporation. I did not have the political skills. I was unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So, I said if I was going to run a company, I'd have to start my own. So, 30 years ago, Ruth and I started, my wife started our own company. And 30 years later, we're I'm still in business. Ruth has passed. She passed six years ago. So, it's just me now, but still in business, still going strong. Still out there doing your thing.
0: And, uh, yeah, that's a, boy, that's a lot to unpack there about the You know the the CEOs and stabbing people in the back, and yeah, there's unfortunately there's plenty of examples of that. But uh, it's a lot of awareness, you know, on on your part to just you know realize you're never gonna, you know, knowing yourself and never knowing that you're morally not gonna ever be able to be in that position. So I feel you on that one. I I feel like I I found I don't like working for other people. (laughs) Uh, that would be incredibly hard for me to do as well. You know, after I, I, all these years, I don't
1: like my livelihood depending on somebody else's whim.
0: There's there's something to be said about having kind of control over your own destiny in some ways, right? If you if you mess it up and and the business goes under for some reason, well, it's your fault. Your, it was your company. Get up um, and start another. Versus one. somebody knocking on knocking on your office door and saying, "Okay, Charles, it's time to pack your bags."
1: In no, in terms, I'd like you to see in my office at the end of the day. No. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I will never take that from anybody. You want to talk, talk. If you want to see me later, fuck you. Exactly. I, exactly. Uh, probably, need to, probably need to edit that out. No, nah, it's uh, all good.
0: It's all good. I don't really care about some cuss words and stuff like that. I mean, things get um, different topics get a little bit more, more interesting than others, so a curse word doesn't hurt my feelings. I've heard them all. <laughs> I'm hearing them all. So, you know,
1: and Dad was <laughs> Navy, so
0: there's <I, laughs> that old saying I'm like cuss like a sailor. I was like, well, I was never a sailor, but I mean, we all heard the same thing. So exactly, yeah. So, so you're, so you're a CPA. You've been in this tax world for a little while, but let's give a nugget of information to to those entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start a business, and they're kind of like in a explorational phase. Like they got this crazy idea in their mind, they're going to start a business. What do you think the first couple of steps that they should take financially and tax-wise to kind of set themselves up for success?
1: Well, one of the things, when they do up their business plan, and if you start a business without a business plan, you're making a mistake. You're planning to, planning to fail. Get a book on it, read on it, and do a formal plan because it crystallizes your thinking. It forces you to be rational about what's going on. So without a business plan, it's just a dream and it'll evaporate with, with you getting up. So write out a business plan. Plan it out. Know what you're going to do. Know how you're going to do it. Know what your competition is. Know what your market is. Know all those good things. Rule of thumb, Charles's rule of thumb, when you've figured out every possible dollar you need, every contingency you can think of, you've got the total amount of capital you need to make this business work, Double it, and you might have enough. (laughs) (laughs) Because there'll be things you never think of. There'll be things that happen that you can't conceive of happening, and they will happen, and they will cost money. That definitely makes sense.
0: Yeah, I was thinking as you were saying I was
1: like, where is he going with this? But yeah, it makes sense. Double it. (laughs) Double it. Next thing to do is follow the law. Register. The, The government wants to know who you are what you're doing you have got to have tax ids just do it now i'm in the payroll business now this is i've been in the payroll business heavily almost exclusively for the last 10 12 years since i sold off the accounting practice to my partner at the time and in payroll you've got you you can't just pay people under the table you just can't pay them cash and ignore it that that's called tax evasion and tax fraud and it's a felony and you can't just pay people as independent contractors because you want to and and they'll take the money. That's not legal either and will get you into big problems with huge penalties and interest if you do it wrong. Now, there are some workers that are independent contractors, and you can pay them that way and file a 1099 at the end of the year. There are others that are going to be deemed employees either by federal law state law, or by statute. And if you don't pay them as employees and withhold all the taxes and do all the filings, the states and the Internal Revenue Service will come after you for all those taxes that you didn't pay in, plus penalties, plus interest. And if it is serious enough, uh, it can be a, a criminal charge. So don't do it. It's not worth it. Just do it right. As far as payroll, you know, hire, hire a payroll company like me. Uh, we'll take care of it for a pittance. You need four people in your life business wise. You need an attorney to advise you of the law and the liabilities. You need an accountant to record what you're doing, explain where the money's going, keep track of it, and file your taxes. You need a banker. Because you got to have a bank account, and you may need to borrow money. And Eddie on the corner of the loan shark is not the place to borrow money <laughs> no. from. Okay. Not of those interest rates, but you, you, you definitely got to point. Not need money. interest rates bad, but your knees won't appreciate it when you <laughs> miss a payment. And you need an insurance agent to make sure that your liabilities are covered where they're supposed to be. Those four people are integral to your business life. Now, don't let them, particularly the attorney, tell you how to run your business. They're all there as advisors. You have to make the decisions. It's your business. You know it better than they do. So listen to them, listen to their advice, but you make the business decisions.
0: I couldn't agree with that more. And I think it's really important to, to look at them as advisors and and realize that you need to be transparent with them and and. I guess I'm taking it from from my career as as a realtor. I don't have a lot of people. I consider myself an advisor to people on residential real estate transactions because that's all I do is is residential. But sometimes you can tell when people aren't quite telling you the truth, Um, especially when somebody goes to get a home loan and kind of skirting around exactly how they get paid to certain things like that. And you just know that, like, just be transparent, put it all on the table because eventually the lender is going to make you do that, (laughs) you know, in order to get the loan. So, like... Just put it out there, build good relationships with them, be transparent and, you know, take, take their advice.
1: Are, you know, one kind of, other thing that for your budding entrepreneurial clients, your listeners, uh, I got asked this in a, a panel discussion here a couple of years ago. And somebody said, well, what about work-life balance? And I cracked up. I just laughed my ass off. Uh, as a beginning entrepreneur, there is no such thing as work life balance. It's work, period. Okay. You're going to put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week for years before you take a vacation, before you have time off, before you can have a work life balance. And if you don't have a spouse that understands that, you're going to have problems. Uh, and not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Some people like that 40 hours a week and a steady paycheck and the, the ability to get a pink slip on a moment's notice. I don't. Entrepreneurs don't. Um, the only way I would go to work for a company is if they gave me 51% of the stock so I owned it. Other than that, I'm not interested.
0: <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. But, yeah, some people aren't, aren't willing to, to take on the risk and be the owner. And that's fine because when you're the business owner, you need people that want to work for you.
1: Absolutely, I have no desire to go do that stuff. I have a great staff, okay? These, these are great people that work for me. I, I couldn't do the work without them, believe me. There's no way I could do what they, they all do. I mean, some of them, in fact, have gotten where I couldn't do what they do individually, let alone in total. I mean, Michael's my videographer. Uh, Nash is my marketing manager. And I realized here a few years ago when I hired my first marketing manager – that I can't market my way out of a paper bag. If I had a nosh 30 years ago, I'd be a very rich man today, but I didn't. So we're still growing and, and scraping and, and getting by. So your staff is extraordinarily important, and you need to treat them that way because they are your business. Yeah, your clients are important. Absolutely. So are your people. If you don't take care of them, they won't take care of you.
0: I, I couldn't agree more you know and it's important to surround yourself you know on that topic of surround yourself with people who have the skills that you don't have and it takes a lot of self-awareness to to realize what what you can't do and speaking of I mean accounting and, and payroll stuff i for my business i'm it's just me so I don't have people to for a payroll but if I did that's that's one of those things I look at like i I don't know if I have the time energy, To to sit there and think about how am I going to do it? You know, it would make sense to go find somebody that could take on that for
1: me. You know, the the analogy I use for that is when I grew up, Pele was the world's best soccer player and may well be the best soccer player of all time. Okay. Great athlete. But if you take and put him in a New York Yankees uniform at second base, he'd be lost doesn't know the equipment, doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the game, doesn't know the field, doesn't know the players, he, he, he'd he be totally lost. He'd still be a great athlete, talented. So if you take a businessman, a realtor, a chef, a mechanic, a manufacturer, a dog groomer, whatever, and you tell him now you got to deal with the IRS about employment tax issues, take care of it. <laughs> no. Come on, guys! I mean, look, I'm, a I'm a real estate agent. I, what the hell do I know <laughs> about, about taxes and, and payroll and so on? You know, I'm always one. I know four. how to write a check, but you know, beyond that, I'm lost. Yeah, I, I'm always one to you know
0: take up a fight somewhere where a fight needs to be taken. You know, but uh, yeah, sometimes you're just you're in way over your head, and that would that, that would that would be me. Yeah, you know, just. Definitely a great analogy. Just like you wouldn't want me working on your car.
1: (laughs) I don't don't make my own clothes. I don't build my own cars. I don't build my own house. I don't even mow my own lawn anymore. Okay? So I outsource all those things. And payroll is one of those things you should outsource. it, It costs a pittance to outsource it. And you get very, very talented professionals if you pick the right firm. They can handle it. We're, we're compliance experts. That's our unique selling proposition. I'm a CPA, a U.S. tax court practitioner, which means if the IRS screws up, I can take them to U.S. tax court for no additional professional fees. And, and I do, and I win. Uh, we, we get things that happen all the time. The IRS makes millions of mistakes. Millions oh, of yeah. mistakes.
0: They Out issue, all the stuff that comes in is
1: bound to happen. We, we had one today came in. We'd filed a, a, a nine forty one for the client, made the deposits. It was for seventy. It was twenty five thousand dollars. They put it in as ninety five thousand dollars and said we owe seventy thousand dollars. It's it's a flat entry error on their part, and we have to fix that. We know how to, and if they don't fix it, we know who to go to. We solve those problems because we're experts at it. In many cases. We know more than the IRS does about problems and penalties and interest and situations. That's what we live with. They get moved around from job to job within the service and they may not be an expert in employment tax issues. We are. And having been on the uh, Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council for three years, I know a lot of people in DC. I know who to call. I have the phone numbers. Uh, We had one situation that took nine years to solve. I had bumped up against through all the levels of appeals through the director of field operations and was trying to talk to his boss who oversees a region of the country, never could get him to return the call. So I called the deputy chief of appeals in DC who he works for and said, I can't get this guy to call me. She said, I'll have him call you. He called me that afternoon. We talked, uh, we got the thing re looked at three months later, instead of a $95,000 penalty, my client had a four hundred dollar refund.
0: It's a long time to be having something kind of hanging over your head, trying to fight it. You know, and I think just by any time you go up against the government in any kind of capacity, you feel like you're just banging your head off a brick wall. You're <laughs> just hoping that you get somewhere with something. So that'd be you know, nerve wracking as a business owner. You know, if
1: you're, if, you know, if you're Paley at second base, the only thing you can do is write the check. You don't know how to fight it. You don't have anybody that can fight it for you. You either have to pay big bucks to a tax attorney or you have to write the check. And if the check's check's $500, tax attorney's going to cost you 10 times that. So you just write the check and go on and let the government basically cheat you because you don't know the rules, the regulations, the Internal Revenue Service Manual, uh, how to appeal it. Uh, how to file a 12-153 to stop collection efforts, how to go to tax court for $60 in filing fees. You don't know any of that. And I understand that. Okay. My, my daughter's a real estate broker. She talks about things and I'm just goes right over my head. I, I, she talks about all kinds of things and housing and laws and, and, and regulations. And I'm going, Mary, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Really? You gotta put up with that. Oh, huh? okay. And just goes right over my head. I have no idea what she's talking about half the time, because that's her business. But when I have a when I have a real estate question, I call her.
0: Absolutely. She takes care of daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about having those advisors, you know, people that you know, like and trust that can give you information, but you know, back to your example of how you know, from ninety five to twenty five, like that's a lot of money. And I would and I can see where a lot of small businesses get into that where maybe the, the amount's a lot smaller. You know, maybe the I don't know, five hundred dollar difference or a thousand or five thousand. And I guess you know, thinking as, as an entrepreneur, or business owner, you, you sit there and think, Well, maybe it's gonna cost me more to fight it, so I might as well just pay
1: it. You know, but and and if you don't know how to fight it, you're not going to win. Uh, The collections department at the IRS, they're collection agents. They don't care whether you owe the money or not, they have no interest. It's been brought to them that you owe the money. They're like any other debt collector, they don't care whether you owe it really or not. They're out to collect it, that's their job. So, fighting with the, the collection side of the IRS. Is a total waste of time. They don't care. That's not their job. You got to go back to exam or appeals or whatever. If you get a collection letter and you try to respond to that, you're wasting, wasting your breath. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, You've got to go to a different area and go after it the correct way and get it fixed. Then it'll go to collection and say, "Never mind." Okay, that makes
0: sense. I mean, to you, if to them, you're just a number name and a, and a number on a screen and their job is to call you, mail you, whatever. like,
1: And, and yeah. harass you until you pay. Your bank accounts or your business or your assets, your house, uh, whatever. I've seen them. I've, look, I was in the office one time on a different matter. The guy next to me in the next cubicle, uh, they were telling him to uh, take his gold tooth out and go pawn it. Literally. To pay that. <laughs> I've seen houses seized, bank accounts seized, businesses seized. They they, they, they have no... They're like any other debt collector. They have no compassion. I, I don't think anybody with any compassion can work as a debt collector. I, <laughs> I think you have to have sociopaths uh, to oh, be a yeah. debt, uh, debt collector.
0: Yeah, that would be deadly tough to know that... It'd be hard... I don't know how you could ever say, "Go pawn your gold tooth." You know, I mean, at at that point, what do you got left? (laughs) You got nothing left if you're gonna go pop a gold tooth out and pawn it. That's that's uh, that's the that's collections. Yeah, it that it is. You know, and and it goes to other collections too. I mean, medical collections is that way. They just don't care. You know, things pop up on people's credit reports all the time, and it's it's fake, and it and then you got to fight to go prove. If, real or if, not?
1: They, if they had any empathy, they couldn't do debt collections. Oh, absolutely! And yeah, <laughs> I, I, my, one one of my attorneys, his first wife was uh, in the collections in, in industry as a debt collector. That marriage yeah. didn't last long.
0: <laughs> yeah, <there> had to <laughs> I make mean, some interesting dynamics at dinner tables. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, It's like, you know, I really hated when those collectors do this, and
1: you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I screwed this this sob to the wall today, and man, I took his bank account and. Man, I, I, I got his retirement fund and his kids' college fund. I got that too. Yeah, an attorney no, sitting there thinking, a good job. What, "What was the guy's name?" I think we <laughs> I
0: think there's some money we can make here. Uh, that's probably not even fair, you know. The government work for the government, take people's money, and then you know the attorney can go charge people to, to try and get it back anyway.
1: But there, uh, there's not much difference between an IRS debt collector and and, and a crook with with a gun. Really, I mean, you know, the, the IRS will put you in jail. The crook will just shoot you.
0: Well, that's that's darn true. Yeah, they'll <laughs> both of them will, you know, leave their leave their mark. Yeah, but we'll when, when you, when you give the there. thief
1: your wallet, he'll leave. You give your wallet to the IRF. It's not to the IRS. If it's not enough, they won't leave. Just keep swiping. Well, they'll follow you home.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and take your home. And your cars and all that and stuff you. so your yeah, car.
1: <laughs> anyway
0: yep uh yeah we keep ragging on the IRS all day long but you know back to the, to the small business owners you know since you were CPA on some of the financial reports you kind of kind of take it that direction a little bit where do you think like some people are maybe the top two or three things people are just not understanding as business owners when it comes to financial reports and pay like what are the The big things are not understanding or not getting right.
1: Well, if they don't have a CPA that's advising them, they don't understand what their financial reports are showing them. A financial report should give you a clue to where you're making money, where you're losing money, what you're doing right, and what you're doing wrong, okay, financially. Now, not marketing. That's a whole different ballgame. Your balance sheet is just a, a picture of your assets and liabilities at a single point in time. That's all it is. It, it, it's for that moment. It doesn't mean any, necessarily mean anything a week or a month or a year later. Your income statement, again, is a, is a picture of the past, of what happened. This is a problem with accounting. It is all record keeping. It is all historical. But if you look at those, you can use those as a basis for future planning. You can see where you're making money and expand that area in the marketing. You can see where you're losing money and shut it down. These are the things that a good CPA can help explain to you what's happened. He's not the guy to run your business. He's not the guy to plan out for what it is, what's going forward. But he can help you understand what has happened. So you really know where the revenue came from where the expenses were, how they matched up. Plus he can help you with things like, should I lease or buy an, an asset? What are, what are the, the the reasons why I want to consider this for my situation? If you just go on the web and they say, well, always lease a car. That's not always right. Many times it is. Sometimes it's not. So these, the financial statements give a trained person the ability to help you analyze your business and what's happened to allow you to plan for your next steps. I couldn't agree more
0: uh, because I sit on a couple of boards, and that's why I kind of wanted to ask that question because you took it right where I was hoping you would. Before I took any accounting in college, sitting on those boards, I could kind of follow the financial statements. I kind of, I mean, I understood what they were, I understood What those line items were and all that stuff. But after I took accounting, I had a better understanding of kind of how those shaped up. And on those, some of those boards, when the CPA comes to town and we have a question about something or we want to, you know, deep dive into something, it's great to have that person there that can educate you on that, on the one thing you might not know, or maybe you just don't remember or something like that. And they can say, well, you know, this is what this item is, this is what this means, here's how we got to these numbers. And then, you know, you can help you, you know, implement your strategic plan and, and all those things based on what direction you're going. So I think I think there's a lot of business owners that just don't understand that. And they probably just pay somebody, you know, pay their CPA to do their stuff. And maybe they just don't
1: understand any of it. And, yeah, looks good, you know. <laughs> they, they pay a CPA to do it so he can create the tax return. So he can stay compliant with the IRS. And you got to do that. Yeah, that's, that's important.
0: But the second step but is to analyze it and, and utilize it. If
1: you it. don't understand what they what they really mean, you need an advisor that can explain those to you in detail, answer your questions, so you know what's going on. It's very, very valuable information if you use it. If you don't use it, it's just wasted money. Uh, you still have to have it for tax purposes, but if you'll analyze it, you'll be amazed what you'll be able to figure out about your business and where to make it better. Absolutely. Well, that should be everybody's goal. But I,
0: I think that some people's downfall is not, you know, kind of taking that next step and utilizing the information that they've got. So with expanding on that, how about payroll? Uh, since that's what you're in now, where, where do you think some of the, the biggest misinformations are for business owners about payroll? Or were they, or they goof up the
1: most? 70% of all US businesses, according to the Department of Labor, misclassify workers, wow. either as independent contractors versus employees or as eligible for overtime or not eligible for overtime. 70% of all US businesses screw that up and it can be expensive to fix. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to put everybody on salary. It's simple, it's easy. But it's not legal. You got to pay overtime, and there's rules. It's a lot of rules. It's all in the book. Um, you know, my newest book, the Payroll Book, a guide for small businesses, startups. Uh, it's all in there, and it it shows you who you can pay salary and who you can't pay salary to. And there's lots of lots of reasons, lots of lots of laws, who may who is an independent contractor and who is not, and the law also changes. The Trump administration had proposed new rules which were supposed to go into effect March 8th of this year. On March 8th, the Biden administration pulled them and did not let them go into effect. And the Labor Department is working on different rules for the Biden administration, which will go into effect uh, next year, probably. So things change. And if you don't keep up on the changes, the tax law changes every year. They pass new stuff all the time. Oh yeah. (laughs) For instance, a 45S is a law they passed here about four years. It was part of the 97 tax act or the 2000, I'm sorry, the 17 tax act, which allows you to get a tax credit. If you pay time off for certain reasons, you can get up to 25% of what you pay your people back as a credit. If you don't know about that, you're just throwing money away. These are the, the laws change all the time. So you know, that's basically what Congress has to sell is tax breaks. So, you know, you make a big enough campaign contribution, you may be able to get the tax break you want. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunate reality, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but, you know, Nancy Pelosi didn't get to be worth $300 million from just being Speaker of the House, I promise you. So, yeah. uh, now there's a lot of there, stuff there's a lot on the, the internet, internet about how those politicians... Those the big things, and then you have to learn how to avoid penalties. Uh, If you can avoid them, that's best. And the biggest penalty is from mathematical errors, not adding things up right, not multiplying them right. Uh, In payroll, that's that's the biggest single error, not only in in payroll taxes, but in taxes period, is just arithmetic errors, which anybody that got out of grade school shouldn't be making. But (laughs) I was just, I mean, Calculator right here on my desk. Exactly. I mean, you got Microsoft Excel, you got programs that do things for you. But if you're busy and the taxes are just an annoyance that you have to get done and you just da 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 da, da and send them off, well, when the IRS gets them, they're going to send back a notice. <laughs> but the IRS also makes millions of mistakes. Uh, I spoke about one earlier that was a, a, a misentry for $70,000. These are things you need to learn to, if you're not going to hire somebody, you need to learn to solve, and there's ways to do it. Uh, It's easier to use somebody like me, particularly for employment tax, because we understand the law and IRS regulations and the IRS manuals and what we can and can't do and how to appeal it and what levels of appeals to use and how to get it to tax court and all these things that we're experts at, that uh, if you do yourself, well... Um, you're not going to be able to accomplish very well. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it's. Uh, I had an engineer one time over a tax return say, Charles, I, I can do exactly what you do, and I said, David, you're right. Go back to college for two years, then spend 20 years in the field, and you can do exactly what I do. And if I go back to college for two years and work in your field for 20 years, I can do exactly what you do. So what? He said. I guess you're right yeah <laughs> that's engineers for you <laughs> but you know it's it's a matter of experience and training and knowledge and attitude and desire and uh, you know I like I like this field i I like coming to work uh, I get a kick out of it and that's I, I, sh- I should have retired my staff says Charles, when are you going to retire and I say one of these days you're going to come in and find me dead at my desk I've retired.
0: That's so why I'm looking at it. You know, it's, my dad always said, uh, well, he's been gone 20 years, but he worked 25 years in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. And he was also a real estate agent for a little while until, until he passed. I don't know, 12, 13 years, something like that. He had his license. But he always told me as a kid, told my sister as a kid, do a job you love. Because if you love it, it's not really work.
1: You'll, you'll
0: never work and a day in your life. He worked his 25 years in a coal mine. And he hated it, but he did it because it paid the bills and it provided insurance and all that stuff, you know? And so that's, um, that's always stuck with me. So every time I hear somebody say something along those lines, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like
1: do what you love. And life's too short. Not, and, and I feel sorry for your father. Life's too short to do something you don't enjoy.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do something. Cause well, you never know when, when you're, time on this earth is up and you know, you got to make the best of it. You said you kind of hit earlier on like, um, like the work life balance and definitely right. That there's not much of a balance in the beginning years, but if you, if you work it right, you have the right advisors, you have the right team behind you. You can get to that point where you can build in that, that balance for you because your balance and my balance is going to look
1: totally different. Two different things. And, and you know, I, 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 I say, you know, don't don't work at something you don't like. There's there's parts of every job that oh, yeah. aren't the most pleasant. <laughs> and I've taken jobs when I was younger to feed my family, and all I did was, was take it to feed my family. and Look for something better. So uh, you're not trapped into anything. Uh, there are better jobs, better careers, better situations. Uh, look for them. Be open. Uh, one of the things that always struck me was, and you're talking about coal miners, is parts of Appalachia that have declined in economic um, capacity because of coal running out or the non-use of coal and so on. And these people, they're unwilling to move. They come down to, and I was thinking this was probably 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Dallas was just screaming for people. They could have packed up, drove down to Dallas, and had a job that day. When we moved down here in 1972, my wife and I had both worked at Denny's. This was before I I went to college. Uh, we stopped in at Denny's for uh, lunch and both got job offers. Her as a waitress <laughs> and me as a cook. So I mean, you know, we had, we hadn't been in town but 30 minutes and we had job offers. Holy cow! <laughs> We're not just going to every table and be like, "Hey, you looking for a job?" or like, "How did well, that, that happen?" Was- we we talked to the uh, the the manager because she'd worked for him. Was talking about having been with him in Kansas City, and I had been too. And the manager came over and found out she was an experienced waitress. And said, "You want to go to work?" <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's amazing what's out there if you only look for it. If you ask about it, um, for every closed door, there's there's a thousand open windows. Just hop through one. Absolutely, so, you, you know. Don't, and- don't, there's there's no end to possibilities. I find ways to make money every day. Uh, just today, I found out what you can make on YouTube. It's it's you know it's incredible uh, if you have the right the right content. Uh, one of my, my right-hand girl follows some lady that making $6,000 a month, and she would started out as how to live on a budget on Social Security, and she's had to change the name of her blog because she's <laughs> making so much money.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? It gives you new content to go after, I guess, at that, at that point. Wow. But, yeah, that's true. And, you know, a nugget for all the current business owners that – you know, whenever you're listening to this or watching it, like as of right now in, in the fall of 2021, there's still a lot of employment issues. A lot of a lot of people that have job businesses are having a hard time getting people. So why why not ask your customers? You know, put it out there everywhere in your store, or you know, hey, if you're looking for a job? You know, got all of these you know
1: <laughs> available. Well, was, what, one of the 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 Air conditioning heating places. Advertises on the radio station I listen to now has employment ads instead of trying to sell them air conditioners. They're trying to find people that can work for them with radio yeah. ads. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's still it's, gets their name out there, but that, that's true. And it says, "Well, we're looking for great people who who can do the job and you know, take care of clients and and don't lie." <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's been a few, few places. I can't remember where it was. I was someplace a couple of days ago and, you know, whole sections of the store were closed off. I'm like, sorry, we don't, we don't have the staff to be in this department. Like um, I was like, what? Like <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But I mean, if you don't have the people to run it,
1: decisions got to be made. Uh, there was a, there was a, a, I saw a picture of the In-N-Out in San Francisco that they're having problems with because of COVID, and on the sign, there's there's a sign on the window that says starting pay twenty bucks an hour, to work in a hamburger joint. Jeez, forty two grand a year to flip hamburgers. I know it's San Francisco and cost of living's high, but you can bar it out to the to the suburbs. <laughs> but you know there's jobs everywhere, people. Yeah, that that there is. Yeah, that's why. You know, But beyond that, a lot of these people that got knocked out of jobs are starting their own businesses because they're tired of working for other people. So they've got their 401k or they've got some savings or their wife's working and they don't have to work. You know, they can start a business. And, you know, several million people quit last month, uh, quit their jobs. And a lot of them are starting businesses. The, The gig economy is a real thing, people. And there's a lot of people out there, which is great for me, because we do onesies. I mean, if you just, you're your own person, you set up a corporation, you need to do payroll, because if you have a corporation or an LLC, you're probably an employee, and you need to file your 941s, your W-2s for just you. Well, we'll do it. We do onesies. We we love them. So, you know, that's great for us. And it's great for people who have been laid off or quit uh, or who, you know, don't have, aren't a police officer getting $5,000 to move to Florida. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things out there. Don't don't ever think there aren't. There's just a, uh, at the moment, there's millions of jobs, tens of millions of jobs.
0: There's, there's t- I mean, you even hit on police officers. I, you know, one of the cities nearby here, I was in some discussions with some colleagues of mine today about the city and they've already approved the funding to hire 30 new officers and they can't hire them. There's yep. just, like, you know, and, and now they're talking about how firefighters too. And it's like,
1: well, they, 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 your they to pull keep them? an and eye out because crazy. the Marine Corps is about to dismiss, you know, several thousand Marines that won't get the vaccine. So there's a whole bunch of potential police officers for you. Unless they got a mandate on it too, but don't yeah, we'll go down that road. <laughs> but, uh, man, I
0: had, had another good, good question here for you. speaking of taxes, um, if somebody has a tax issue, and they need to get more time
1: to fight it for whatever reason. Like, how do they go about doing that? It depends on where they're at in the process. There's a number of things you can do. Uh, for instance, a 12153, a form 12153, is a collection due process hearing request. And if you file that, that stops all collection efforts. Until you have the hearing. And at this point, they're they're taking six months to a year to have a hearing. Another thing you can do is file a U.S. tax court petition, which stops all collection efforts immediately. Now, if you're fairly early in the process, many times you can ask for a month or two months to get things together so you can file things properly and so on. Uh, Once it gets to collection, it's a little different ballgame. But before collections, if it's an exam or appeals, lots of times you can ask for some time and and get a month or two. Um, a twelve one fifty three may get you six months to a year. A uh, U.S. tax court filing, uh, again, six months to up to two years, depending on what's going on. COVID has has lengthened these things because things aren't getting filed, things aren't getting opened, things aren't getting processed. The the penalty we got today. The filing we made in April, they processed it in October.
0: Yeah, was kind of time time I was going to ask if the courts had it kind of slowed down because of yeah, the, the 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 last time to be I, there
1: and stuff. The last time I talked to Sunita Lowe, Deputy Commissioner of the IRS, uh, there were still millions of pieces of unopened mail that they just hadn't gotten to, some over a year old. We filed an amended return uh, January of last year still hasn't been processed. They haven't. Wow. They say they got it. So they opened it. But since it's an amended return, somebody has to look at it.
0: Makes sense. Somebody's got to open it, and they got to stack it on a desk, and then it's got to move on through the pile.
1: Uh, Last year, they were offering bonuses to people that they were paying full salary to to stay at home to come in and open mail, and they wouldn't do it. Because they were getting full salary to stay at home, and probably had a side job that was paying them more in the bonus. So uh,
0: the IRS, is, the fact, you don't have to come in and be exposed to COVID and all that at that time. You know, like
1: yeah, exactly. So they have it's, it's, going <laughs> the vaccines went out. Yeah, the IRS is in total disarray, has been now for almost two years, and I don't see them getting out of it anytime soon at all. Particularly with the increased. Uh, mandates that the IRS has has been forced on the IRS with advanced child care, with advanced child credits and the COVID and the the tax deferrals and everything else that's going on. A lot of them are still working from home because of COVID and they're not very productive. And uh, a lot of them are just being paid not to work because they can't put them in the office and they can't get them uh, tools to work out of the house and all kinds of problems. So it's, it's a disaster. Oh, it is the it's government. going to get so should, better anytime soon.
0: We should unfortunately expect it because it's the government. But you think it took a couple of years for them to kind of work through that backlog then? Yeah. I
1: don't, I don't think they'll get through it in 2022. I think it'll be 2023, uh, before they even begin to get back to normal. And it depends on how, how long the COVID pandemic lasts, uh, Gratefully, I look at the cases, and the cases are falling. Deaths are falling. Uh, hopefully that sometime by spring they'll declare the pandemic over and we can all get back to life. But you've got a lot of people out there that don't want it to be over. Big Pharma is one of them because they're making trillions of dollars.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: I all can those, imagine all all those free COVID they shots, they're getting paid for. Of course, the government paid for it. Right. And all the hospitals that are treating COVID patients instead of flu patients because COVID pays extra dollars and flu doesn't. That's why we didn't have a flu season this last year. Uh, I think there were 186 cases of reported flu for 2021 winter, as opposed to 20 to 30,000 normally. 186. Huh. Weird. <laughs> I think they were all reported as
0: COVID cases. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, you know, you look at some of those things, like the, the, the symptoms anyway. I mean, there are a ton of different symptoms, so. I can see where, you know, be misdiagnosed, but I'm not a medical person either. (laughs) I'm an accountant. Yeah, yeah. I'm better. I'm not an accountant, but I'm better with numbers than I am medical stuff. So, um, speaking of accounting stuff, for these small businesses out there, how often do you think uh, they should have their books and everything audited? How often should they have some uh, all their stuff looked at? either audited or a comprehensive review or whatever the industry calls them. uh, You've
1: used some terms here that, that mean different things to different people. Uh, They should, I I recommend that if they do any amount of business that they consider quarterly uh, compilations, which is where the accountant takes all the things together and produces formal financial statements. Once they have four or five people and are doing a few hundred thousand dollars of business, they need to do it monthly. Okay. If they're under $10,000 in revenue, probably just having it done annually is adequate. Okay. Uh, If you're just doing it on a side gig and you just need it for your taxes, do it once a year with your accountant. He'll do it up, do your, your financial statements and do your tax return. It's cheap, easy. You're not, you're not growing your business wildly. Uh, you're not needed to see trends as much, but once the revenue creeps up, you need to have more information on a more timely basis.
0: Makes sense. Um, I think that's, that's all I had for questions. I think we covered about as many bases as we could to kind of give, you know, all the veteran listeners out there and viewers to, you know, to get a better idea
1: of taxes because it's a, well, for for it's Keith, a confusing world. So, <laughs> for, for all for all your listeners, all your veterans, I'm obviously I'm a veteran. I'd like to make an offer for, for them to give them some of the things we've talked about, particularly in payroll, are, are are critical. And I'd like to offer them a reference book, you know, the payroll book, a guide for small businesses and startups to have them so they have an important reference guide for them on their desk. When these questions arise, they can call me, of course, but if they have the book, please look it up and, and see what it can do for you. And I'd like to offer to them, free of charge, for your listeners, if they'll go to the website, the Payroll Book, thepayrollbook.com, and enter the discount code BATTLE, okay, Battle Brothers. If they'll enter the discount code BATTLE, we will send them a free book. Awesome. No shipping, no handling. A free book, so they'll have this reference, this this important reference guide, on their bookshelf, if and when they need it. That's awesome,
0: Charles. I, I appreciate you uh, on behalf of all the listeners who who uh, who can't say it right now. Anyway, I appreciate you offering that for everybody because you got no excuse if you got the information at your fingertips. <laughs> at least it tell you, might tell you the direction that you need to go, and uh, may give you the answer, may tell you the direction you need to go, which which could be called Charles. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's to a- ask some simple questions, not to uh, <laughs> not try and recover $70,000 and <laughs> because that's just that's unbelievable. I mean, it, it's believable, but it's 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 an amount of money that I couldn't imagine. I would I would lose my freaking mind thinking about that. So believe me, my <laughs> client was not happy when they got the oh, notice. <laughs> I can't imagine where my mind would go if I got. Oh, geez. I'd be like, what on earth did they do? Jeez. So anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll have that in the show notes. It'll be on the YouTube notes as well. There'll be a link on there uh, so they can go get it. The, the code will be BATTLE. It should be easy for everybody to remember. For the Battle Buddy podcast, just put in the code BATTLE and get yourself a copy of Charles's book and educate yourself. Learn more about taxes. So once again, Charles, I appreciate you being here. Any last words of wisdom?
1: Well, Kevin, one of the ones I like very much as a word of wisdom is something I stole from Bill Gates. And this is very, very important to entrepreneurs. People will overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. It's a marathon, guys. It's not a sprint. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. You'll be amazed at what you can accomplish over a period of years. Absolutely amazed.
0: Absolutely. It's like putting the pennies in the in the, in the change jar. You know, it, it, it doesn't fill up quick, but it, it does fill up and it adds up. So that's awesome. Good stuff, Charles. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Um, I, I really appreciate you dropping all the tax knowledge and, and being a resource for everybody. So we'll uh, finish off this episode here with my little ending video. We got something else to say here.
1: No, just my pleasure to be here, Keith, anytime. Awesome.